So this week we're continuing with a mini-series, really, which is about the power of words and the power of that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we were saying last week we're all very aware that death is in the power of the tongue because we all know in our own lives where maybe someone spoke death over us. Maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a parent, or, or maybe we found ourselves speaking something we thought, well, there wasn't much life on that. It didn't produce life, it produced death. And we said there's mercy in that, in this spiritual law. Um, there's mercy if we've made mistakes of our words. And there's actually power to set us free as well from any words that have been spoken over us. We don't have to live constantly shackled and bound by words that were spoken over by maybe a parent or a teacher or a key person in our life. That the gospel can set us free from that, that you can be radically made free to hear what God has to say about you and the assessment of God is. And so we looked at that last week, that life is in the power of the tongue. And we looked at how we can speak life to people. That it's a powerful thing wherever we work. If we decide, I'm going to be a continual life bringer. I'm going to be speaking life in the office. I'm going to be speaking life in the workplace. I'm going to be speaking life in my family. And so this week we're going to talk... I guess a little bit more about the words that we hear our own mouths say. And that actually we can lead ourselves in the way that we speak. In the way that we speak about ourselves, often to ourselves, or about ourselves to other people. And there's uh, the whole power of the declaration, the whole power of speaking out truth, and the whole power of actually hearing words that impart life coming out of our own mouths. So I want to read you some verses from the Bible. It's in the book of James... And um, it's in a section called Taming the Tongue, in James chapter 3. <coughs> and in verse 3, the writer James says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses, you know, any of you who are into horses, you put, I don't know what the bridle, I guess, you put something in their mouth and you can steer the horse to the left or to the right and you can slow the horse down, that's a bit... When you put a bit into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or, take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great fire uh, consider uh, what a great fire is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a, word of evil, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself on, on, set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles of the sea, creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Now, it wouldn't be really good news if we just said, Amen, let's close our Bible. No one, <laughs> no one can tame the tongue. We can tame animals and do all of that. You can't tame the tongue. Amen, just go and speak. Now, that's not a great, that's not a great uh, thing because you can't just take one scripture and say, oh, that's the whole truth about that area because Galatians 5 says that we receive the Holy Spirit and we get the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So actually, I'm not just a human being. I'm a human being with God inside me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a human being that actually has 
the Holy Spirit inside me and the fruit of the Spirit is growing within me and one of the fruits of the Spirit is control. And actually I can bribe in my whole life because there's self-control. There's the capacity to lead myself, tell myself what to do and I do it. Capacity to tell myself what to say and I can say it. I can lead, lead myself, that I'm not a victim. Yeah. And so this week I want to say that there are many t- tools in the Christian tool belt for growing in grace and for growing in transformation. And the ability to control what we say, so we hear words that produce faith, is one of the tools. This is not the only tool. Meditating on scripture is another tool. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind is another tool. Taking every thought captive is another tool. Being in the context of community and fellowship and one anothering is another tool. Worship is, as it were, another tool. Um, being filled again and again and again by the Holy Spirit is another way that we grow in Christ's likeness. This is one tool, okay? This is where I'm turning up to a job. I'm just saying, today I'm just going to show you the hammer, okay? We're just going to talk about the hammer today, but there are many other things that we can do to grow more Christ-like in our daily lives. But it's extremely difficult to change our lives without changing our words. I think we have to say that the thing we're looking at today is incredibly powerful and incredibly important because it's very difficult to change where I'm heading if I don't change the way I speak. And James is saying that if you can, if you can cause a ship to turn by a rudder and you can move an animal by a bit in its mouth, you can actually steer your whole life by the way you speak. That it's actually possible to see somebody speak and hear them speak and you can kind of know where they're going. You can know by the words that are coming out of their mouth where they're heading. Mm. And so today we're saying, if I want to be here in five years' time, then my words now need to be taking me somewhere. That my words currently... Your words currently, the way we describe ourselves and the way we describe our circumstances, the way we describe other people, and the way we describe God is taking us somewhere. That's what James yeah. is saying. That's what the, the writer in Proverbs is saying, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. That if I want to lead myself towards life, I've got to be speaking something that's full of life, that's taking me somewhere. So when we're talking about treasure hunting, and I say... It's not going to be that long until the lame walk, the, the blind see, the deaf hear. It's not going to be that long until we see people come to Christ on the street. I'm speaking now words that are taking me somewhere. Yeah. I'm speaking words that are full of life and full of expectation. And I want them to be full of faith because that's where I want to go. Because I believe the gospel is good news. And I yes. believe it's meant to spill out of the church. And so part of my strategies for leading myself somewhere is to have words that are taking me there. So you can tell where you're going in your life by listening to your words. Jesus said, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell what's going on in your heart by your words. You can tell whether you're refreshed or whether you're really dry. You can tell whether you're hopeful or deeply frustrated by your words. I've got an electric uh, razor at home and when it runs out of batteries because I don't charge it enough, it just suddenly stops. And uh, if it stops at the beginning of a shave, it means you've got a razor stuck on your face, which is quite painful to extract. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's run out of power and it pinches and it lets you know I've got no juice left, you need to plug me in. And I think our words are a bit like that. We can we speak differently when we're refreshed and we speak differently when we're full of hope and we speak differently when we've been around God or been around believers or heard encouragement. We get recharged and refilled. So we can lead ourselves and we can lead our whole life by changing our words. You can take yourself somewhere by the words that you say. You can declare your God-given purpose through the words that you choose. And so intentional speaking is part of the gift that God has given us to encourage ourselves. Do you know that the person who is most responsible for your personal encouragement is you? You are responsible to encourage you. And I don't think these cars exist anymore, do they? Cars with chokes. Do you remember that? Do you remember cars where you had to pull out the choke to get it started? It was like you had to pull it out to get enough fuel to inject. So when the spark plugs went, and if it was cold and it's damp, you'd have to you'd be fiddling with the choke for ages to get it started. And we have to work out what's the choke in our life, what's the thing that's going to get the fuel going, how are we going to speak as part of the choke, reading the scriptures is part of the choke, prayer is part of the choke, uh, being in community is, but words are too, we have to find words, we have to take ourselves aside and speak to ourselves, preach to yourself. Call yourself forward. Ask yourself to respond. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we're feeling low. And there's honestly no reason for it. And it's Wendy Backlund says, Lady in Bethel says, I don't ask myself how I feel, I ask myself what I believe. Because often we wake up and say, I feel low, I feel overwhelmed, I feel troubled, I feel distressed and before we've done, gone very far we've begun to speak that and so death and speak death when actually we need to say I'm going to take myself aside and say honestly what is it in your day that's so bad there are good opportunities in today, there are good things that are in today, the fact I'm even awake right now and didn't die in my sleep, that's good news I'm alive. Everybody's healthy. We're doing all right. When we open the cupboard, there's coffee. Good news. The coffee machine's working. It's getting better and better. The smell of coffee is percolating. I'm going to speak good news. I'm going to find reasons to be glad, reasons to be thankful, because I'm going to release life over myself. I'm going to release life over myself. In Romans uh, 10, 17, Paul says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he says, how beautiful are they who bring good news. The feet of those who bring good news. And we just say to our own feet, beautiful feet, bring me some good news today. Come, bring me good news. That's how we became Christians. Someone said something to us. Someone articulated something to us about Jesus. Someone explained the gospel. Someone explain the good news about the person of Jesus and what he achieved in his life, in his death and in his resurrection. Somebody took the time to explain it to us. 
Someone used words and we heard them and we were changed. We'd all have different stories of how that happened, but we'd all have someone in our life who articulated something in words. And we're to be those to ourselves, our bringer of good news. Have beautiful feet to come to yourself and say, I've got some really, really good news for you today. Speak to yourself. I remember someone said that in, in, in normal life, if you speak to yourself, it's kind of the first sign of madness, isn't it? But in Christianity, it's the first sign of sanity. I'm taking myself aside, I'm going to speak to myself, I'm going to talk to myself, I'm going to tell myself some truth, I'm going to, I'm going to bring good news to me, because I'm the first person who needs it. I need it every day. Mm. I need to know the gospel every day. Condemnation and accusation comes through the post every day. So I need good news to speak to myself that actually it's the finished work of Jesus that is my right standing with God. I need that to come through the door every day. And I need to be the first person to speak that to myself. Because I want to release life and release grace. Ephesians 4.29, Paul talks about you know, the way that we can release life and grace and encouragement and strength through our words. That words are containers of grace. They're not just words, they contain life in them. So I need containers of grace to be coming to me every single day. I need to talk to myself and release over myself words of encouragement and words of grace. God created the whole world by speaking. He said, let there be. When Jesus was in the desert and he was being tempted by the enemy before he started his public ministry, he didn't think his way out of the desert. He spoke his way out of the desert. He said something. He brought the scriptures out and he refuted every temptation and every accusation by speaking out something so that he was saying out, he was strengthening his own faith and he was doing spiritual warfare by declaring what was true and not listening to the tempter and the accuser. And so we need to hear something different if we want to be different. That's what this whole morning is about, this one tool. If I want to be different, if I want to be somewhere in a number of years' time, if I want to be somewhere later on today, I need to be hearing something different than I normally hear about myself. To be different, I need to hear something different. I need to hear words that agree with God. The system in our hearts, our core beliefs and our core values, they were established because of the words that we speak. And maybe it started with a word that somebody we respected said about us. And then we, in agreement, began to speak those same words over ourselves. Now, if I want to move out of that argument, out of that stronghold, I need to be speaking something different to what I've heard. It says in Joel, let the weak say, I'm strong, I've got to say something. Let the disorganised say, I'm organised. I've got to hear something different. My ears have got to hear something, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I've got to come and preach to myself a message that's different to the one I'm hearing about myself right now. I've got to have words that agree with God. Speak so you'll be transformed. We need to be singing. The songs we sing on Sunday, we sing them again and again. Yeah, We sing the words. It's part of 
engaging with the reality of them. It's part of the renewing of the mind. It's part of faith being ignited. You're a really good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. And we're singing it again and again. And how many of you, as you were singing those words, began to feel the Holy Spirit stir you? And you began to realise, that's my identity. That's really who I am. I'm not what anybody else says in my life. And I'm not actually what I say about me. I'm loved by you. That's my core identity. That's my core value. And so sometimes we go for the whole week and we speak about ourselves negatively. I'm a failure. Oh no, I've done it again. I'm not very good at speaking. I always bumble that when I do that. And we speak these words of death over ourselves. And then we kind of get into Sunday and then we sing, you're a good, good father and I'm loved by you and it's who I am. We need to be saying that all week. We need to be saying that every day. We need to be speaking words that agree with heaven, that agree with God, that agree with our prophetic call, that agree with our, the identity that God calls us by. In 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says, Fight according to the prophecies that were made about you. Remember what God has said about you. They're a sword in your hand. Speak them, speak them, and speak them. In Joshua, book of Joshua, Joshua is going to lead the people into the promised land. He's replaced Moses. Moses is dead. God is saying, I'm going to be with you as I was with Moses. And then God says to him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He's saying to Joshua, you need to meditate on it day and night and don't let it depart from your mouth in other words Joshua you've got a big job in front of you and you're going to need a lot of courage you're going to be facing Jericho and it's a city walled up to heaven and you're going to bring it down you're going to be facing moments when in presumption you get defeated at AI and you're going to get up again and you're going to go again You're going to know miracles and the sun is going to shine longer than it was planning to shine so that you could finish the job that day. So you need to be someone who hears something radically different come out of your mouth. You need to be a non-stop speaker of truth over yourself because you're called to be strong and you're called to be courageous and you're called to lead these people to inherit the promises that I gave hundreds of years ago You're the person who's going to bring it, Joshua. And your strategy for going into the promised land is to be a non-stop hearer of truth. To be speaking truth so that you hear it. In Galatians 3, we find that same principle um, of hearing. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus was clearly betrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Mm-hmm. But believe you received the Holy Spirit because you heard something and you believed it. That's where you had your encounter. That's where you understood the cross. That's where you understood the resurrection. 
You heard something, someone said something to you, and you believed it. Abraham got the promise that he's going to be the father of all the nations many years before, but 30 years later, I think it is, he gets a name change. And so he hears something different now, not exalted father, but but father of the multitude. He's had a name change. Exalted father becomes father of the multitude. And so he's confronted by hearing something. Every time people would have said Abraham, he's confronted, he's hearing something about a promise that's impossible. He's hearing something with his ears about his destiny and calling. He's hearing something about his prophetic purpose. He's confronted by, if not that long after, in hope against hope, Abraham believed God and reckoned that God was able to do what he promised, that God's powerful enough. But that faith is birthed because he kept hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. Yeah. So that's what we have to be about ourselves. We might be thinking, I'm not very courageous at work with the gospel. We have to say to ourselves, I am bold and courageous because the Holy Spirit will make me a witness. And, and he's making me a witness. He'll make me shine. I, I shine. So we speak things over ourselves. So I'm just going to read some things over you. And it's the 20 cans of success from, uh, from Freedom in Christ. And you can close your eyes or just listen and... Why should I say I can't when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Why should I lack when I know that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus? Why should I fear when the Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear but one of power, love and a sound mind. Why should I lack faith to fulfil my calling, knowing that God has allotted to me a measure of faith? Why should I be weak when the Bible says that the Lord is the strength of my life and I will display strength and take action because I know God? Why should I allow allow Satan supremacy over my life when when why should I allow Satan supremacy over my life when he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world? Why should I accept defeat when the Bible says that God always leads me in triumph? Why should I lack wisdom when Christ became wisdom to me? From God, and God gives wisdom to me generously when I ask for it. Why should I be depressed when I can recall to mind God's loving kindness, compassion, and faithfulness and have hope? Why should I worry and fret when I can cast all my anxiety onto Christ who cares for me? Why should I ever be in bondage knowing that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Why should I feel condemned when the Bible says, I'm not condemned because I'm in Christ? Why should I feel alone when Jesus says, He's with me always and will never leave me nor forsake me? Why should I feel accursed or that I am the victim of bad luck when the Bible says, that Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law, that I might receive his spirit. 
Why should I be discontented when I, like Paul, can learn to be content in all my circumstances? Why should I feel worthless when Christ became sin on my behalf that I might become the righteousness of God in him? Why should I have a persecution complex knowing that nobody can be against me when God is for me? Why should I be confused when God is the author of peace? Why should I be confused when, I, when God is the author of peace and he gives me knowledge through the, his indwelling spirit? Why should I feel like a failure when I'm a conqueror in all things through Christ? Why should I let the pressure of life bother me when I can take courage knowing that Jesus has overcome the world and his tribulations? Mm. 